0: Well, good morning, everybody. I've got a question for you. How's your love life? A couple was celebrating their 50th anniversary, and the wife was kind of reliving their past, and she said, you know, you used to kind of hold my hand. So he reached over and gave her hand a squeeze. And she said, you know, you used to kiss me too. So he leans way in and plants a kiss on her cheek. And then she giggled. Don't you remember how? You used to nibble on the back of my neck. Just a light bite. At that, he got right up and left the room. She says, where are you going? To get my teeth. (laughs) And then, there was the old man at the breakfast table. He was enjoying the eggs and bacon his wife had made him. He's reading the paper. She's cleaning around their condo. And, and you know, he's thinking to himself, she's in her upper 80s and keeping the place spotless. And he, he just blurts out, I'm proud of you. And, and she's kind of hard of hearing. And she says, what would you say? I'm proud of you. I'm tired of you, too. How's your love life? I think of the couple who was in their 90s. They'd been married, get this, for 70 years. And on the very day of their 70th anniversary, they show up in divorce court. And the judge is shocked. He says, I I don't mean to pry, but 70 years? Why are you getting divorced now? Well, we We kind of wanted to wait until the kids all died off. How's your love life? It's a question that is increasingly a part of our cultural makeup, isn't it? There's a song by that name. There's a movie by that title. But this morning, I actually uh, have got a switcheroo for you. I want to ask an entirely different question. And that question is, how's your hate life? You heard me right. How's your hate life? Believe it or not, the concept is in the DNA of a biblical lifestyle. Speaking of the Bible, we're going to anchor today's message in Psalm 97. And if you're comfortable, if you're able to do so, would you join me in honoring the word of God by standing as we read it together? We're going to read all 12 verses of this psalm. It won't take us long. We'll read it out loud together. You'll see the words on the screen. Let's begin at verse 1 of Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness, and all peoples see his glory. All who worship images are put to shame. Those who boast in idols worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and rejoices, and the villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments, Lord, for you, Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of his faithful and delivers them from the hand of his wickedness. Light shines on the righteous and joy on the upright. in the Lord, you righteous, and holy name. Thank you for joining me in that. Would you take a seat? You may well have guessed by now that we're going to park and pause for a moment at verse 10. Let those who love the Lord dislike evil? No, it says hate evil. Let those who love the Lord hate evil. By the way, in case you're wondering, you know sometimes when you do a little bit of a word search, you come up with different nuances and facets. So I decided I'd do the homework, and I looked up that Hebrew word for hate, and you know what it means? Hate. It doesn't mean dislike. It means to abhor, to detest utterly. And this psalm tells us if we love the Lord, we must hate evil. Hence the question... How's your hate life? More to the point, do you and I truly hate what God hates? And here, I submit to you, we have a problem. During the height of the space race to the moon against Russia, the following exchange took place. Houston, we have a problem. Russians just landed on moon. It's okay, Apollo. Continue your mission. Ignore the Russians. Houston, we have a problem. Russians started to paint moon red. (coughs) It's okay, Apollo, continue your mission. Ignore the Russians. (coughs) Houston, we have a problem. Half of the moon is painted red and they continue. (coughs) It's okay, Apollo, continue your mission. Ignore the Russians. (coughs) Houston, we have a problem. Whole moon is now red. (coughs) Okay, Apollo, now it's our turn. Open compartment 3B slash C. It contains white paint. And start painting Coca-Cola. All kidding aside, we really do have a problem when it comes to this issue of hating sin. Here's the problem. We dislike sin. We dislike it. You say, what's wrong with that? Aren't we supposed to dislike sin? No, we're supposed to hate it. And there's a huge difference. Oh, come on, you say. Isn't this just a game of semantics? Dislike versus hate, not that big a deal. Oh, it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Here's why. What we do not hate, we tolerate. What we do not hate, we tolerate. Think about it. For months now, one of the sump pumps in our crawl spaces has been making a clicking noise. It has not been working I have disliked that fact, but I haven't hated it. And now we approach the monsoon season. And I decided I, I hate the idea of a flooded crawl space. I hate it. So I better go down there and put in a new switch on that sump pump. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like that I weigh as much as I do, but I don't hate it. You know, if I did, I wouldn't have a Coke every day. And I wouldn't stop by that Panera bread table there. I'm not judging you, of course. <laughs> you see the difference? I mean, when it comes to pulling a pizza out of the oven, another great healthy food I enjoy, I, I, I really don't dislike getting burned. I hate it. I hate it. So 100% of the time, I refuse to grab the pan with my bare hands. 100% of the time, I got a hot pad holder there. I kill any notion of getting burned. Big difference between dislike and hate. The flip side is if we, it, it, what we do not hate, we tolerate. If we don't truly hate sin, if we don't, if, if we don't you know, move from dislike to hate, we're going to tolerate it. Puritan Thomas Brooks observes, a hypocrite hates some sins, but dislikes others. He loathes some, but secretly loves others. He opposes some, but practices others. A, A sincere Christian hates all sinful ways, but his own first and most. This is why there are so many stories and warnings for us in the Bible as we're about to discover. So I ask, how's your hate life? How do you know And how do we learn to hate what God hates? You ever thought about that? Could I suggest three steps for developing what we might call a holy hate life? Step one, pause. Consider what God hates. Consider what God hates. You can't hate what God hates if you don't know what God hates. And here's the good news. He hasn't made a secret of what he hates if we're going to develop a holy hate life, if we're going to really learn to truly hate sin rather than merely dislike it, we need to know what the Almighty hates. Quick thought. Our hate must never be directed at people. Our hate must always be directed at sin. Sin is the object. Sin is the culprit. Sin is the target of our hate. Never people even the very people that hate us. And we've got a growing number of those in this country, don't we? Hmm. Time doesn't allow us to go too deep into this principle, but let me, let me just take you to one verse in 1 John 2, verse 11. Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. You can't hate what God hates if you don't know what God hates. So what do you say, you and I, we take a quick tour through scripture, to see just a few of the things that God hates. First, Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. There are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife among brothers. Wow. What a list. Did you count all seven? Catch all those? Haughty eyes, meaning an arrogant look. I love fooling around with our grandkids. And Sadie, who's now five, has mastered the art of the haughty look. And she does this all the time. (laughs) And she wants me to mimic her back, which I gladly do. A A lying tongue. Words that twist or cover or stretch or hide or deny the truth. God hates it. Hands that shed innocent blood. We're talking murder here. And before you go, whew, that's not me, be reminded that Scripture makes it very plain that when we assault someone's character, assail someone's personhood, it's the same as murder. We're all guilty. A heart that devises wicked plans. That's a soul just churning with evil. Evil intent, plots of revenge. What about feet that run rapidly to evil? Just can't wait to do wrong. Drawn to it. A false witness who utters lies. That's trashing others' reputations. Stomping on the facts or twisting them. One who spreads strife among brothers. stirring the pot. Passing along the gossip, passing along the rumors, backbiting, contentious speech. God hates it all. Do we? Do we? Let's look at a few more on God's hate list, Proverbs 8:13. "The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride, arrogance, the evil way, and the perverted mouth. I dislike? No, I hate. Catch those sins? Pride, arrogance, the evil way, the perverted mouth, that's profanity, vulgarity, racial slurs, raunchy humor. In Zechariah 8, verse 17, God says, Also let none of you devise evil in your heart against another. And do not love perjury, for all these things are what I hate, declares the Lord. There it is, devising evil. Loving perjury, lying under oath. God hates it. What about Malachi 2, verse 16, as our tour of God's hate list continues? He says, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. And him who covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of armies. So be careful about your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. God hates divorce. God hates the lifestyle of those who are so into violence, it's like the clothing they wear. Some people have a certain style. You just know it's them, even when they're way far away. That's some people's style when it comes to life. (laughs) So into violence, it's who they are. God hates it when we deal treacherously with others, betraying their trust. And this is hardly an exhaustive list. But if you and I are going to learn to have this holy hate life, we got to pause. we got to consider what God hates. How's your hate life? There's a second step we need to take. Stop managing sin. I put quote marks around it. Stop managing sin. What do we mean by managing sin? It means disliking it only enough to reduce it, minimize it, control it. Now, if we hate sin, we're not going to manage sin. We're going to confess it. We're going to condemn it. Can I tell you a story? Sam was a guy with an extraordinary gifting. An extraordinary capacity for serving God. Unusual talent. Enormous potential. But his heart was drawn to an intriguing woman from a neighboring country. And she didn't believe in Sam's God. In fact... Her nation was bitterly opposed to his. And he knew the whole thing was wrong from the beginning. He had a special relationship with God. And this flirtation was totally out of bounds. But she was just gorgeous. And she made him feel so good when they were together, just hanging out. And and, and he was sure he could manage the situation. So he kept on seeing this beauty despite the fact that scriptures, verses he knew from childhood, forbade this relationship. I'm pretty sure you know the girl's name, Delilah. And all the while that Sam, Samson, was just sure he was managing her, she was managing him. Finally, he gave her the secret that she was paid to pry out of him, the secret of his strength. And this sinful relationship, he was sure he could manage, eventually cost Samson his eyesight, his freedom, his reputation, his ministry, his future, and eventually his life. All because he thought he could manage sin. But you and I do the same thing today. I'm guilty. With a thousand sins, don't we do? We try to manage them. Example. Maybe somebody says, <clears throat> I've got a growing problem with alcohol. So I'm going to reduce to one glass a day, one beer a day. That's managing sin. By contrast, if you've got a problem with alcohol, and you know it, dumping every drop you have down the sink, that's condemning sin. And that takes us to step number three. Start Killing sin. When something is evil, you don't manage it. You kill it. You have to. I'm deadly serious because the Bible is deadly serious. You don't manage cockroaches. You kill them. You don't manage a mice problem. You kill them. Come out to our trailer. We've got a little orange bucket there. It has a nice little ramp that goes up to that bucket which is filled with antifreeze, a tempting empty can spins on an axle, just lightly touched with peanut butter. A marvelous, inviting invitation to any mouse that might want to come in. And should they come in and walk across that wire and sample that peanut butter, they will immediately fall into the bottom of the bucket and not escape. I don't dislike mice in my camper. I hate them. We're not going to manage them. We're going to wipe them out. Same with sin. If we do not hate what God hates, we invite sin and temptation to ruin us. There's no other way. How's your hate life? Uh, Consider the life of David. You know, the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. I submit to you one reason, though. One reason the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart is because he was a man after God's own hate. Listen to David's own words. Psalm 26, verse 5, I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. Psalm 31, 6, I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. Psalm 101, verse 3, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. How's your hate life? Remember, we're never called to manage sin. We're never called to reduce sin. We're called to kill sin. But let's be, let's be honest. Without Jesus, we are powerless to do this. We are. The Bible says all have sinned. All have fallen short of God's standard of perfection. And the news gets worse. The wages, a result of sin is death, but the way out, the gift of God is eternal life, Through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you have never received Christ's forgiveness, let this be your day. Our elders are glad to pray with you. I'm glad to pray with you. Pastor Dennis will pray with you. But receive Jesus today. John Owen famously warned be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. This is mortal combat. Romans 8.13 For if you are living in accord with the flesh you are going to die but if by the spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body you will live. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Ten years ago last week my precious Diana here had one third of one of her kidneys removed. There was a cancerous tumor inside. That cancer was going to kill her Prepared to, ready to. But the surgeon took out his scalpel, cut out that tumor, and essentially killed the cancer. Praise God, she is cancer-free today. But in order for her to live, that cancer had to die. And the same is true with sin. How's your hate life? Romans 12, 9, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. A few years back, I stood outside our home and noticed some bees. They were just buzzing around some flowers. It seemed to me harmless enough, right up against the, the, the foundation cement of our room addition. And, and I began to wonder, I saw them there so consistently, what's the fascination here? Because those bees were there a whole lot, and there were a lot of them. And, and, and I took a closer look, and... I noticed they weren't playing with the flowers like good bees were supposed to do. No, no, these were naughty bees, sinful bees. They had discovered a crack in our foundation. And they were going in and out of that crawl space. Upon further investigation, we learned that they were downstairs there eating away in the very beginning stages some of the plywood, munching, lunching on my home. Well, let me tell you, we didn't dislike that idea. We hated it. So we dealt with those bees. We dealt with that crack. And our house was spared any real damage. But sin is so much more lethal than the damage from a swarm of bees. Be killing sin. Or sin will be killing you. Sin is a killer. It's not just a bad habit. It's not just a a weak family trait. It's not just a, 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 a naughty tendency. It's not just a problem. It's a killer. It's a killer. It wants to kill you. It wants to kill your reputation. It wants to kill your ministry. It wants to kill your family. It wants to kill your witness. It wants to kill your legacy. It wants to kill your peace. It wants to kill your hope. It wants to kill you. How's your hate life? How's your hate life? We need to pray. Lord God in heaven, forgive us for disliking sin rather than hating sin, for managing sin or presuming that we can instead of killing it. Lord, we're trying to take you seriously, we want to kill sin. Lord, would you help us? We don't want to walk out of this auditorium today, have been with you, have heard these warnings, and just keep on managing sin. There is no one of us who could could resist. There's not a one of us who couldn't fall. Would you help us be strong in the power of your might? Thank you for overcoming sin and death. And by your power, by your blood, We have the resources we need. Would you help us kill sin before it kills us? Thank you for your strength, for your life, Jesus, for your example in all things. You who never managed sin but hated it enough to die for it. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.